is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 447, recorded on Thursday, September the 5th, 2019. Welcome to the program, Jason, how are you today? I am doing fine, Christopher, how are you? I am doing very well also, and uh, we are here, of course, to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead, uh, which I think is going to be uh, a fun discussion, but... Um, I just wanted to say off the top here that you should stick around after the normal podcast for tonight's ish, um, uh, segment of After Hours, because we do have something to talk about. Oh, exciting. I have no idea what it is. I'm, 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 I'm tempted to not stick around just to screw you over, but I probably will stick around. Well, it's, uh, I'm going to tell you right now that oh. the 10-year anniversary of this podcast is coming up really right. soon. Like how soon? Or, okay, it's really soon. Really soon. And I don't want to talk about it right now, other than saying it's coming up. And, you know, thank you everyone for a fantastic 10 years. But stick around after the show. We're going to talk about that a little bit and, and reflect on some things. So I think that should be fun as well. Cool. Okay, well, before that, we are here to talk about Season 5, Episode 12 of Fear the Walking Dead. So I think we should just jump right in. Surely. Nair. Tom Mead. Thank you, Tyler in Ohio, for that title read. Nice. Yeah, Nair to Mead is the title of this episode. And here's another one that was written by the showrunners. So two out of the last three have been written by the showrunners. Cool. Stepping up. Yeah. Doing everything. Doing everything. They're they're writing and running this show right now. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Some would say into the ground, but you know, what are you going to (laughs) do? It's still running. (laughs) It is still running. Uh, Now, speaking of running into the ground, the ratings for this episode are in. And I'm excited to tell you, Jason, that it's a new all-time low. Seven? No. It's not seven? It's not. It's 1.14 million. So the reason that that is significant to me and significant that the writer the showrunners wrote this one is that they now as credited writers on episodes hold the record for the two lowest rated episodes of all time well there you go this one and the one two weeks ago so i don't know what that says but it says something uh and i don't feel like the ratings are are very good here it doesn't sound like they're very good but I wouldn't necessarily blame the showrunners. I mean, if it's, you know, Scott Gimple, we could blame him. Yeah. But yeah, the way I think of it is the showrunners usually write the episodes where new characters are introduced, right? Maybe. Because you get, you get cashola, cash on the barrel head. When you have a character enter a television show, you get cash every time they show up on screen, right? Oh, as a credited writer, maybe you do because you created that character, yeah. Right. So the showrunners are like, I'm not stupid. There's a new character that's going to show up for a while. I want to be the writer of that episode, so I get the cash. Do you think it's really, do you think that's really how it works? Like, it's Oh, you're that, goddamn right. It's really how it works. I mean, do you think even if one of the other writers on the team kind of came up with the character, do you think these guys would take credit regardless just for the money? Yeah, somehow. 
yeah people taking credit for other people's work when they they can and they have some kind of uh power over that person happens all the time my friend well i won't deny that that's for sure but it just seems like a dick thing to do it really is Anyways, and, and, I'm, and I'm a cynical son of a bitch, so that's how <laughs> I, I think of it. Now, when I hear about the showrunner uh, themselves writing the episode, I'm like, well, it must be a new character. Yeah, it must be a new character. So, well, we do have a new character this week, but let's uh, start with an email here from Maria in Germany. And Maria says, I know we don't do them on this show, but holy crap, I really enjoyed this episode. That's new. <laughs> This is a little new. It is a little bit new. And then before I tell you my thoughts on it, we are going to play a call from Josh in Texas. Hey guys, this is Josh from Texas. I just watched another hour of wasted television because nothing happened. The only reason I watch this show anymore is to hear y'all talk about it. And also, why did we watch a half season of them trying to save a bunch of kids that are nowhere to be seen? this whole half season. Anyway, can't wait to hear what y'all think about it. Bye. All right. Thanks, Josh. So Maria in Germany really liked this episode and Josh thinks it was a big waste of time. And my feeling sort of as I lurk around on the internet a little bit is that, is that this episode was a bit polarizing for people. There were some people who, who quite enjoyed it and others who really didn't. Unlike some of the other episodes where it was sort of all all on one side. Yeah. Did you like the episode? You usually ask me first, so I'm going to jump in and, and ask whether you like it. Well, I can tell you that I actually did like this episode. And at first I thought maybe a lot more than some other people, but um, I'm not so sure that's true. But yeah, I really did like this episode. Uh, I'm happy to report. So I'll tell you why, but give me your uh, give me your feeling first. Well, overall, I think mainly it was kind of a meh episode for me, but overall, uh, I think I, it, the fact that I liked it edged out a little bit more than the fact that I didn't like it. So I, I did like it a little bit more because of the, uh, the new character. What's his name? Rabbi? Rabbi Jacob Kessner. Yeah. Because I liked that guy, that actor. He was on House and I watched all of House a number of times yep. and uh, uh, I, do, I do enjoy that actor's work. Yeah, so um, I I agree with you. A big part of the reason I like this is Peter Jacobson, the guy who plays Rabbi Jacob Kessner. And I think we have to call him that every time because that's how he referred to himself on the show at least twice. Every, every time, yeah. Yeah, Rabbi Jacob Kessner. Um, but Peter Jacobson is great. You're right. He is very much a that guy actor. I recognized him, but I couldn't place him until I looked him up. But he's been on House, The Americans, Ray Donovan, Colony, various law and order shows. Um, and that's just, you know, those are shows with recurring roles. He's been on lots of other just one-offs and stuff like that. He was also in the Transformers movie. Was he? <laughs> yeah. The, the first one? I think the first one. Yep. And well, Good Night and Good Luck. That. Good Night and Good Luck, which is a movie I really enjoyed. So he's been acting since the early nineties and has a wealth of, of um, stuff under his belt. So uh, he's really good. And, and as I was saying, a big part of why I liked this episode was just him. I think he did a fantastic job uh, with this character. Now, also, uh, even though I felt like this was sort of one of their weaker outings, it did have a lot of John and June. 
and I tend to enjoy the episodes that focus on them a little bit. Uh, and it also, to me, kind of proves that you can put good characters in dumb situations, but they're still good characters that you enjoy, enjoy watching, right? Yeah. You think it was a dumb situation? I think there was a lot of dumb in this episode, to be honest with you, but it held together on the strength of some of these actors and uh, their characters. Right. Okay, so that makes sense. That That's kind of where I'm coming from. I even didn't mind Charlie in this one. Um, and I think Alexa Nissenson, who plays her, is doesn't get a lot of credit for what she does on the show. I think she's actually pretty good, um, despite what <laughs> a lot of people seem to say about her. So, uh, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, this, this episode had a few, you know, it had some good stuff in it. it, had a few moments of comedy, like when John puts the kippa on under his cowboy hat and is all awkward about it and didn't know what to do. I enjoyed right. that. I enjoyed Sarah and Dwight drinking beer on the roof, uh, of the, the trailer and they're sitting there talking about how the walkers are just wandering. It's like a life on the road forever for them. Yep. I thought that yep. that was fun. So, so I enjoyed all that. And honestly, one other thing I liked about this is I think it was nice to have a break from Morgan for, for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I guess so I, I hate to say that because Lenny James, but I'm, I'm sick of seeing Morgan's face on this show. Every episode constantly doing the same thing over and over again. So it was kind of nice to have a break from that, to be honest. I'm, I'm actually, now that you mention it, I do agree with you, but even more so I'm, I'm happy to be, have a break from Alicia. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, we've had Alicia free episodes recently, right? We have. Yeah. We haven't had a Morgan free episode in a long ass time. So here we are with a Morgan free episode. And I think that worked. Um, and it, this also was the first episode of Fear in a long time that didn't feel long to me. A lot of the last, certainly the, all the episodes in the second half of this season and many in the first half, I know some of them were a little bit over time. They'd run an extra five minutes, an extra seven minutes and so on. But sitting there watching them, I couldn't help but think to myself, is this almost done yet? This feels long. Why is this hour taking so long? But this one I thought flew by. So. That's, I think that says something too. I was more invested in it. I wasn't worried about if it was over yet, uh, because I was more engrossed in the story, I think. Right. Okay. So even though this episode had some dumb stuff, I found a lot to like about it. And that tipped me well over the scale of, to the enjoying the episode side. Yeah. I think that the, uh, it really was kind of meh for me. There was, uh, even the action, like when they were craw craw crawling across the ladders or walking across the ladders from car to car, I thought it was dumb. It was mm -hmm. a dumb situation and it kind of annoyed me. And it started off good because I, I, I know we talked about, uh, what's his name? Peter Jacobson? Yep. Uh, Peter Jacobson uh, coming on the show. I think we mentioned that before, right? Um, Seems to ring a bell. Or did we know about that? I, I I'll be honest, I don't recall if we knew about that. I certainly, it certainly was a surprise to me when I saw him, but it could be that we mentioned it previously and I just forgot. Yeah. So I think we may have mentioned it. If we didn't, then I made it up in my brain, which then, you know, subsequently made it up in your brain. So it's right. working. Uh -huh. uh, so 
when I first saw him, I'm like, yay, good. I like this, this guy. So I was very upbeat about this episode, but then when he went out and dropped his rifle at his feet and then fell over and had it in his hands again, I'm like, come on, seriously. <laughs> and so I kind of lost heart there. And so I was a little bit worried about the quality of the episode from that point forward. So it kind of worked its way back up and then they had the ladder scene and I'm like, well, I guess zombies don't know how to climb each other in this world anymore. Oh, cause, cause they climbed before, right? Well, there's so- gotta be instances where zombies actually, you know, climbed onto the hood of a car. They climbed up to get Glenn off that dumpster. Well, no, they didn't climb onto the dumpster. I, we've never seen them climb a ladder or anything like that. But yeah, I think way back early in season one of The Walking Dead, weren't they climbing a fence? They were climbing a chain link fence, I think. Yeah. But that was, that was Frank Darabont. I think they retconned the zombies after that a little bit for no climbing. So um, I definitely agree. There were a lot of problems with the ladder, car to car ladder scene. Um, yeah. But well, climbing onto the cars was not one, one of them for me. Well, it bothered me that, uh, you know, they're just kind of reaching out and not actually getting a handhold on the, on their feet when they would probably would be clamoring, at least clamoring over each other and some falling down and then using them as step stools, yeah. let's say, to get, you know, four inches higher and then be able to grab a pant leg. Well, right? not even that. Or even push the, push the ladder or pull the ladder or something. It just, it really kind of bothered me that, uh, the zombies in this show, uh, this episode were reduced to a little more than, uh, moving plants, right? <laughs> right? They're basically like, you know, grass waving in the wind. Uh, don't let the grass get a hold of you. Better just keep running so that the grass doesn't get you. Okay. Well, I was going to get to the ladder rooftop escape uh, a little bit later, but let's, let's dive into it a little bit more here. And I want to play a call from Gemma. Uh, with some thoughts, uh, mostly on the latter. Hi guys, this is Gemma calling from South Wales about the recent uh, Fear the Walking Dead episode. Um, I didn't really love it. It was as soon as I realised it was a Charlie episode, I kind of mentally checked out of it. <laughs> as soon as I saw it was her hit the rabbit with the door, I was like, oh no, I'm not here. And it's just kind of a strange excuse that she ran away to find somewhere to live. It was just without kind of any warning on a previous episode that she was going to do that. It was a bit of a bit much for me. John, Dory and June's plan to get down from the um, top of the roof with the ladders was just suicidal. Like, that was stupid. I understand. No, I didn't actually understand when I was watching. Why don't they just do what they did actually end up doing was distract the walkers from inside trap them all in the building and then escape you know from the roof when everyone was inside but it was just why didn't they do that it it just them climbing down the ladders like that was stupid like they easily but then I was kind of thinking I was watching it and like I got no fear here that they're gonna get bit because it's just not gonna happen like it's like you know, in on Walking Dead, I think something would have happened where one of them would have fallen in or tried to scramble away or something, or maybe one of them would have got bit, but not the show. Uh, anyway, that's me. <laughs> My feedback. So looking forward to the podcast, guys. Loving what you do. And I'll uh, see you soon. Bye. Awesome. Thanks, Gemma. So so real quick, she was not excited about it being kind of a Charlie-centric episode, which, uh, d- to be honest, before I watched it, I would have felt the same way, but I think 
as I said, Alexa did a did a good job. I didn't mind that it was about Charlie, but Gemma makes a really good point that there was no sort of foreshadowing that she was just going to wander away from the group, uh, and suddenly here we are. But that kind of thing has been an issue with fear for some time. Anyways. Yeah, I agreed. Like there was no, uh, the latter scene was not stressful at all. Like it didn't bother me. Uh, thinking that, uh, they, they might die. Oh my God, they might die. Didn't occur to me at all. Just like, come on, they're going to get through this. Of course, walking from car to car, it just seemed like a such contrived, uh, dramatic scene when, yeah, you could just easily distract them. I mean, bang a paddle on a wall and the zombies will, uh, go towards it. So they've distracted zombies many times in the past. What about uh, the Gormaflage? They've completely forgotten about Gormaflage. They should uh, be, you know, getting a couple of these people, some couple of these zombies and put on a, a stench coat and see if you can get a, get away that way. Yeah, that's the problem. They, they went through this whole sequence, which was dumb and predictable. Um, and it turned out there was absolutely no reason for it. Other than, you know what, guys, we need something to do here that's going to take up 15 minutes of airtime. So why don't we have them walk from car to car over a ladder? And it wasn't honestly even that clear to me what their goal was. They were trying to get outside the fence, I guess. But yeah, but why? So they could get back to the, the SWAT, the SWATI, as Sarah calls it. Yeah, they needed to get into the SWATI. So they were going towards the SWATI to be able to go and help the convoy. But, and leave Charlie and the rabbi on the roof. That's correct. Which I, I understand now was not a problem because they just come down off the roof later. <laughs> yeah. You know, after they watch them go through all this stuff, they just walk down off the roof. I thought, are they stuck up there? Or did they? No, there's a, there was an internal access to the roof as well as an external ladder for some reason. Well, it's like a fire escape, but yeah, obviously they got up there and I'm like, okay, so now all the zombies are milling around the parking lot there or outside the door so they're they can't get out but it's not like they're stuck on the roof and gonna starve to death up there they just go back down there seems like there were so many other good options but again they needed to do something on the show so they're like they come up with this ladder escape um not only that like that's that's kind of the biggest problem with it but I noticed a lot of other things that bothered me. We've mentioned how the, or you were talking about how the zombies couldn't reach them when they're standing on the hood of a car, um, which to me just made the zombies feel weirdly short, like their hands barely extend above the roof. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know about yeah. you, but if you're standing beside a car, you can reach your arm, you know, halfway across the roof of the car, depending well, on depends the- depends on the car. Obviously yeah. I mean, depends on the I mean, not my vehicle. car. Your car's tall. No, my car's not that tall. It's taller than a- regular car, right? It's taller than your old car. It's taller than my old car. Well, sure, but my current car is 15 years old, so my old car, I barely remember, but um, my car- I still think of it as a new car, Chris. Well, it's not. It, it is not. It's your new car. It's a, two, it's a 2005, <laughs> man. Uh, it's a 2005 Toyota Matrix is what I drive. I love my car, but it's getting old. It's not that big a car, though. I can reach my arm across it, and I'm an average height dude. Right. You know, the zombies felt short here because even when the people were on the hood of the car, which is lower than the roof in most yeah. cases, the zombies couldn't reach them, as you were saying. It just was stupid, you know? Yeah, the, the zombies, they seem like how I feel after going out and having a big lunch. 
you come back to work and you're like, oh, I can't reach that. I'm not even going to bother anymore. <laughs> just, just like I'm, yeah, I just, I can't reach the lamp. I'm not turning on the lamp. I'm not turning off the lamp. I can't, no, I might be cold, but man, that uh, space heater is like four feet away. I'm not going over the four feet to get to the space heater. I'll live with it. <laughs> I'm just going to lie down right here on the floor and have a nap. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And that's what, they just, they seem like lazy zombies. Can zombies be lazy? I suppose they can. I suppose they can, yeah. Um, and then I thought there was more than one moment there where it just looked to me like John and June could have just jumped off of a car and run. Like there was yeah. enough space and, you know, just run out of the way of the zombies. So that's the thing about zombies. I realize the danger is in the relentless nature of them. They never stop coming. But in a short pinch, you can run away. And... Yeah. There were times when they were on top of a car, they were totally surrounded and yeah, jumping over them and landing might've been dangerous. Cause if you land and you twist an ankle, well, you're done. But there were times where I felt like they could have just jumped and run. So that's just what it is. I don't know. Um, what occurred to me was uh, just the other day I watched a short little, uh, a gif on uh, Reddit where this, uh, this collie ran across the a herd of sheep, like ran on top of this herd of sheep in order to get in front of them. <laughs> That's pretty smart. It was pretty, I thought it was a, a genius move by this dog. So I was thinking, just run along the top of the zombies. They're a bunch together. You could probably just crowd surf them all the way to where you, wherever you need to go. That sounds a little dangerous too, because one- Well, I wouldn't lie down and let them <laughs> move you, but I, I might, uh, you know, take a couple of steps over on heads to get from one point to another. Well, not not me, but- Somebody could. I mean, Daryl Dixon could do it. Daryl Dixon could do it. Somebody with a, you know, a little lighter step and not as uh, bad knees. Sure. Maybe John Dory. Yeah, John Dory could do it. He could do it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, beyond that, um, the, the, the plan once they did escape. Oh, the other thing is right at the beginning of it, when he th throws the ladder from the fire escape onto the roof of the first car. Uh, yeah. I know this is a little nitpick, but who threw the ladder? I don't know who threw the ladder. John Dory was still inside the caged section of the fire escape ladder. There's no way he could have thrown that ladder down. I don't think well, Charlie did it. It didn't look like, uh, Rabbi Jacob Kessner did it either. So it was just one of those dumb things that it, the ladder fell out of nowhere and landed in the top of that car. Yeah, it was a ladder spell. I, I need a ladder. So he cast a spell and, you know, point to where you want the ladder to land. And he pointed there and the DM said, uh, yeah, sure. What the hell? Okay. Why not? Ladder lands here. Perfect positioning for well, you. Well, he could have held onto the ladder, like standing in the, uh, the caged area with his arms outside of the caged area or an arm. And then somebody handed him the ladder down and then he dropped it from there. But it landed perfectly, right? It landed in the car, the uh, the sunroof of the car, and then it immediately landed onto the ladder going straight down and was perfect. It was the perfect width to be able to fit perfectly on the ladder that was going up and down the building. It uh, it landed perfectly. It was uh, it was it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I can I can even buy into that. You know, that's just lucky. The ladder fits in the sunroof, but I don't know the logistics of doing it didn't didn't work for me, but. Again, small thing, uh, but you know what? It kind of bugged me. Yeah. Um, and then the way they go, once they get trapped at the end, uh, the plan to rescue them, 
basically going all the way back here to Gemma's call, she says it was just stupid. If they had a better plan to begin with, why didn't they do it? And I realized that Charlie didn't want to sacrifice the place by luring all the zombies inside away from them outside. But I feel like there was probably other options. Lure the zombies away without letting them into the door. Just give John and June enough time to escape. Maybe by that time they couldn't, they couldn't leave the building, right? Because they tried to leave the building and then there was a bunch of zombies and they said, okay, let's go back inside. Right. So their only option was to open the doors and let them in the building at that point. I don't know, man. Didn't, didn't make any sense to me. I also- Well, they could have blown the horde from the roof. You think that would have worked? And just have them crowd around the building instead of crowding around the car? That's what I'm saying. Like, do something like that. I just feel like there were some other options. That being said, I don't even buy that that horn would be sufficient to lure them all away like that when there's, like, living, breathing, f- fresh meat standing around on top of a car, you know? The horn? The horn? Come on. I like a good horn more than I like people. Well, that's you, but these zombies <laughs> like people more than a good horn, Jason. <laughs> you think so? I, I don't think know. so. I think so. It's all so. a matter of personal preference, I guess, but they all preferred horns. Well, I guess so. These were horn zombies, so I don't know. All that being said, I didn't actually hate the whole scene, to be honest. Um, it just, it was, it was dumb. But if there was, if they could somehow have come up with a good reason for them to undertake this wacky ladder plan, I would have been totally fine with it. If it was somehow the only option they had for escape, I'm like, well, you got to do what you got to do. And the actual sort of execution and, you know, I don't want to say tension because like you and like everybody, I never believed anyone was actually going to get bit or fall into the zombies or whatever. But there was a little bit of dramatic, I don't know, excitement to it for me. So if it didn't make no sense, I think I would have been fine with it. Yeah, it didn't make no sense and did not have any dramatic tension for me. Right. I knew that it was ridiculous and therefore completely escapable somehow. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the problem. But I could live, I could, I could live with that if they were forced into it. If, if the writers had done the work to, to make this whole sequence, um, to, to give it some proper motivation or, or whatever, then I would have been okay with it. The problem is they didn't do that work. They're just like, you know what? Let's have them walk across cars on a ladder. That'll be fun. Right. That's, yeah. That's what I mean by it. It felt a little contrived. Yeah. It was totally. like, how can we add spice to this, uh, this little cocktail of zombies in this particular episode? Right. And it seems like they've been doing that for a while is how do we add, how do we add spice to this? I know radioactive zombies. Right. Or treehouse kids living in a treehouse with only a one bridge to get there, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Zombies strung up across the road, uh, also by the kids. With their own intestines. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're just, they're coming up with things that, and not, but not doing the work to invent good reasons for it. So like that's been a problem for a while. Um, Christy here in North Carolina wrote in and said, there were a lot of nostalgic moments in this episode. Sarah and Dwight sharing a beer on a convoy rooftop took me back to the old days of keeping watch atop Dale's RV. Yep. And the shot of John and June trapped on a car roof surrounded by walkers was reminiscent of the last shot of the pilot when Rick was trapped in a tank surrounded by walkers. I uh, I still love, uh, how those two are so supportive of each other in a world, 
in word and deed. And uh, Christy's talking about um, John and June there at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, though there were some there was some good shots uh, in that in that ladder escape, and they were a little bit nostalgic and kind of called back to other stuff. Which, again, I don't mind that. I like it when the show does that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's let's go back and and talk about Rabbi Peter Jacobson a little bit more. Um, no, Rabbi Jacob. Something. Oh. Peter Jacobson's his real name. I don't know if he's a rabbi. <laughs> Sorry, Peter Jacobson, you're right. Rabbi Jacob Kessner. They've they've made it confusing by making the character's first name so similar to the actor's last name. Well, I think that's probably a coincidence. Uh it could be, but it makes it confusing for me. I'm just saying. Yeah, it'd be like casting you as a character named Rabbi Fairhurstison Christopher. That would be weird. Yeah. Not it'd a, be a little weird. Not a good name. So Rabbi Jacob Kessner. Um, Neil on our Facebook page wrote, I cared more about the rabbi in this one episode than Father Gabe's first season. I'm reserving further judgment based on how they handle his character. So it was very obvious to me about Rabbi Peter Jacobson. No, Rabbi Jacob Jacob Kessner. Yeah. Kessner. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if I'm going to be able to maintain this saying his full name. I'll keep you, I'll keep you locked in. Don't worry. All right. Did you find it weird at all that his story was, in a way, similar to Father Gabe's story, even though it was kind of the opposite? It was the opposite. It was, uh, let's call it an homage to to that previous storyline, because he didn't, you know, purposefully block out his parishioners uh, and let them all die, right? Right. He left and then came back and then we're all dead. Correct. So it is the opposite, but it is reminiscent. So can we call it an homage or we don't have, or do we call it uh you know, a rip off? Well, it's, it's weird to me that, that fear would, would do this, introduce a, uh, a religious, um, character or, yep. or a character. Leader. Yeah. A religious leader character and have their congregation, be lost. Now, obviously, as you said, Father Gabe locked them out, did something much more evil to save himself. Uh, whereas Rabbi Jacob Kessner <laughs> hey. left to, to, to find supplies to try and do everything he could to help his congregation survive. And in doing so, they all died while he was gone. Yeah, he um, didn't go to, to find supplies, though. Well, he said he, yes, he did. He said At he was At the beginning, out. he said that, but then he said to, uh, to Charlie later that I didn't really go out to find supplies. I had lost faith. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he wasn't, I mean, he was going out to, his intention was to come back though, right? Well, I don't know. He just went walkabout, I guess. Okay. Just like, you know what? I'm a little stressed out right now and I don't have a lot of faith because this world has gone to complete shit mm-hmm. and uh, I'm having a religious crisis. Uh of crisis of faith. So I'm just going to go for a walk. I'll be back maybe, but I need to, I need to go walk about. But he told his people he was going for supplies, right? Uh, a good question. I don't that's know. That's what I would say. So let's go with yes. Well, that's my understanding of it, but, but I could be wrong on that. But either way, he, I guess, I guess you could argue maybe him leaving to like go and kind of see what's, going on out there was a little bit selfish, but 
there's no way what he did was uh, at the level of Father Gabe. <laughs> no, because if he was still there, he'd be dead too. Likely, right? yeah, likely. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he he would be a, you know a walking dead person as well. But now he came back and he was able to clear out somehow get all his prisoners or prisoners. You call them prisoners? I just call his them congregation. congregation. Yeah. All right. So they, he gets all his congregation into the rec hall or something with a doggy door that he doesn't nail shut. He just closes it shut with some wire and screws. Mm-hmm. It's all. It's a little weird that he would like create this doggy door uh, for the zombies to get out one at a time. I'm not sure why you would do that. I mean, anyway, it's, it's he not somehow a... got all these people from, I guess, just milling about into that building. Well. Probably with the horn, right? Well, obviously, the, the horn of zombie leading, yeah. Because he couldn't shoot them. Right. He didn't want to get rid of them, rid of them. He just, you know, he did the Pied Piper thing and lured them all into uh, a rec hall. Yeah. Honestly, that doggy door idea is kind of a good one. If you did want to clear out the zombies, you could have... Like they come out one at a time. One yeah, zombie yeah, at a, a time very, is easy. Yeah, it's a 300 situation, right? You can have a, a, a small group of people uh, defend uh, against a very large opposing force if you funnel them through something that they can't go around. Right. So yeah. doggy door. That works really well. Yeah, it worked from Home Alone, right? Didn't Wasn't there a doggy door thing? One of the guys stuck his head through a doggy door. I've only seen the movie once and it was against my will, so I wasn't really paying attention. Okay. It's been a while since I've watched Home Alone, but yeah, I think the guy gets stuck in the dog door, maybe. Cause I was at, a, I was at a, some family's house and uh, at some point they said, uh, Home Alone came up and I said I'd never watched it. And they went, oh, you've never watched it? Well, let's put it on. Oh, you, damn it. <laughs> I've not, I couldn't, didn't have the heart to tell them that I've never seen it on purpose. Yeah. I really like it didn't. was a conscious decision never to watch that movie, but uh, yeah, I went ahead and watched it. I'd, I, I probably was thinking about something else because I don't have any real memories other than what the media tells me in uh, short blurbs. A lot of people really like that movie, from what I, I know. understand. I don't. Okay. One more thing about um, Rabbi Jacob Kessner. Nice is and 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 how he compares to Father Gabe is. I don't know what this means, really, but I think you could argue that the zombie apocalypse made the rabbi lose his faith, whereas it made Father Gabe strengthen his. Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he got his... Father Gabe, his faith was strengthened right at the outbreak? No, not at the outbreak, but ultimately I think Father Gabe's faith was strengthened uh, after he sort of came back to God. Whereas yeah. the rabbi well, the same thing, hasn't same got thing. there yet, maybe. You don't think so? Mm, I, I mean, I, he's he's hanging out in the in temple and he's still performing the rites because it gives him uh, a sense of peace. Well, he said he's just a guy continuity. doing that out of habit, right? And 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 we see that before he admits to her that he's lost his faith. I think by the end of this episode, he's actually come back around a little bit, but I'm glad not too much because. I I kind of hate it when things get wrapped up that quickly inside one episode. I don't mind when a show moves quickly, but um, it feels like too fast when this kind of storyline gets full circle all in one episode. If, you know, the rabbi stays with them and he travels with them through season six or whatever happens and we get another episode or slowly move him back into a position of full faith, then great. I think that'll be good as long as they um, don't 
bungle it all up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would love to see him be a permanent addition to the show. Me too. I hope he is. Um, at, at least for a while, you know, give us a run with uh, Peter Jacobson. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else about uh, about the rabbi? Uh, no. As you can see, I've we, given up we, on saying his full name. <laughs> yeah, we can move on to Dwight. Dwight? You want to talk about Dwight? <laughs> Just, he looks weird. That's all. Yeah, I his, like his, his shorn appearance is uh, a little off-putting. I'm gonna, it's gonna take some getting used to. I agree. He he needed to keep that beard. Maybe get a haircut to keep the beard. Yeah, it's a little weird. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember being a kid. Uh, I I remember or your kids when you'd get a haircut yeah. or do something yeah. when they were very young. Having that kind of change for someone who's very young is extremely drastic, right? I remember. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jasper, when he was young and I would get a haircut, he'd look at me and he didn't know who I was. He's like, I recognize you, but you look different. And he's just getting used to how you look at the begin with and uh, you look different and it's a, it's a little off putting. Or when Jenny would do something where her hair was like, uh, different, <sighs> she's going to kill me, uh, when she's dying her hair. Uh-huh. Uh, so and she's got the, the, the hair dye in and she's wearing like a plastic bag and something. I remember her coming downstairs and, and Jasper like freaking the fuck out. He's like, I don't know who you are and I don't like it. Uh, so yeah. that, and I remember as a kid when my stepfather shaved his beard mm-hmm. and it was extremely distressing because, uh, I knew who he was. I've, you know, I've grown up with him since for as long as I can remember, but damn it, he looks different and I don't know how to take it. It yeah. was off-putting. It took me a while to get used to it. For some reason, the same thing is happening with Dwight. It is. Usually I can, as an adult, I can get over the fact, hey, you grew a beard. Hey, you you shaved your beard. Hey, you cut your hair. It was really long or I haven't seen you in years and now your hair is really long. Uh, you know, that kind of thing happens as, as adults. You get to know somebody for a long period of time. Their features are going to change. Right. Uh, but for Dwight, for some reason, my brain is just going, nope, nope, nope. That's not right. That's not right. Put it back. Put it back. No, I kind of agree with you. Every time I see him, I think he looks weird and it's a little off-putting so i think they should have kept the beard and just given him a haircut like make the changes a little more gradual yeah it's 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 too much for me it's breaking my brain and i don't like it all right well uh what they're doing with dwight story wise i can sort of be okay with um it's just the way he looks doesn't uh doesn't do it for me right uh let's read an email here from cindy in columbus ohio she says was anyone else disturbed by all those vehicles in the convoy repeatedly running over that walker? I know they are supposed to be dead, and I don't usually have a problem with shooting them or stabbing them to put them down, but for some reason, I didn't like all the cars running over that poor sap flattening him. He used to be a person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens to squirrels, right? And it's still, I still drive around the flattened squirrel or rabbit uh-huh. or whatever's in the road, because, you know, you roadkill happens. Sure. Right? Yeah. And then after a while, if nobody picks up the roadkill, the damn thing is pretty disgusting and flattened. And I get kind of disturbed that, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that are driving over that thing on purpose. Like, how flat can we make this squirrel? (laughs) And it bugs me. So I still drive around the squirrel. Me too. Dead squirrel when I can. Yep. Uh, So I think that if uh, there was an undead person, no matter how much I hated the fact that they're a zombie and they were a threat to my life, I'd probably put them out of their misery. 
I agree. I don't think I would take the whole convoy over top of them and not give a shit. Me too. And I wanted to read this because it bothered me when I watched it too. And I know it's not the first time we've seen zombies be run over by cars or just mangled into nothing. Like, remember, they went through a friggin' meat grinder on the yeah. in the junkyard, right? Um, but I, I agree. Like, getting them stabbed in the head or shot in the head, it's quick, it's over. We've seen it a million times. And usually they're stabbed in the head and then they fall down out of frame, right? And that's it. We never see it again. Here, it's the level of destruction to yeah. the human body being repeatedly run over by giant vehicles is what gets to me, I think, a little bit. I know, as Cindy said, they're dead, but they still look like people. And so watching someone get that mashed into a pulp is upsetting and disturbing. And yeah, I don't like it either. And as a culture, we tend to revere our dead, right? We don't just, you know, when someone we love dies, we don't just like, well, fuck that and throw them away, throw them in the garbage. Or run right. them over with your car or repeatedly. run them over with your car. The, the, the level of disregard of, uh, you know, former life is, is disturbing in this case. So, and as a, as a, as a culture, I don't want to say as a complete society, but as our culture, me personally, at the very least, uh, we have a sense of reverence for someone who has passed and that was completely disregarded in this scene. Yeah. And, and you could argue that stabbing them in the head is similar, but th- often the reasons for that is um, to protect yourself, but also to yeah. put them out of their misery, put them down, right? Running them over with the car is just gratuitous. The way I think of it in this case uh, is uh, uh, the Green Mile. You remember the Green Mile? I'm going to spoil the Green Mile a little bit. Actually, it's really funny you bring that up, but go ahead, spoil the Green Mile. So, uh, when, after they killed the, or killed, after they executed, here's my view on, uh, you know, state sponsored executions as after they murdered the, uh, the first guy in the chair, um, and the, the really evil, uh, guard, I forget I forget everybody's name, Sure, but, uh, the really evil guard was like, go to hell, you stupid son of a bitch. And then the other guard said, nah, he paid his debt to society. You know, he, his debt has, has been paid. Let's give him a little bit of reverence now. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the way I look at it. It's like, yes, zombies are evil. Let's call them evil and need to be put down. Just like some people are, uh, you know, bad guys in movies, especially movies and TV. Yep. Uh, the fact that they get killed is not disturbing to us, but once they've been killed, they've paid their debt, right? Their life has been forfeited because of the things they did while they were alive. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, zombies are, uh, you know, a threat to the living and have to be uh, not killed, but put down because they are a threat. But once they are put down, they've paid their debt. You know, have a little bit of reverence for them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, anyways, I, I, I brought that up not just because it was the convoy running over the zombie, but also to talk about the convoy a little bit. Um, I did enjoy the little extra insight I feel like we got into the convoy in this episode before... June and John broke off and went to um, the synagogue. Right, like how they circled the wagons and they ha- uh, have the setting up of the camp down to a science? Yeah, exactly. So that, that's exact, exactly what it was. Things like they, they have it down to a science, they take head counts to make sure that they haven't lost anybody, uh, which is how they realized that somebody was missing in this episode. I thought that was a little extra detail, as small as it was, that I enjoyed. 
the way they keep track of the setup time and how John said, you know, we were, it took twice as long this time. People are getting run ragged a little bit. Um, I think those are all just little bits of information that I would like the show to do more of. It just makes me feel like they're thinking things through a little bit more, unlike all the latter stuff, which they just put in for no reason. Um, here we have just details, details about the convoy that I like to see. Uh, and not only that, um, you, you can, you can provide glimpses in better glimpses into the characters through this kind of thing too, right? We know, we know now that, uh, June is, is just overdoing it. She's overtaxing herself, trying to benefit the group as much as she can. And it's wearing on her, right? Yep. So all that kind of stuff, I think works really well and I'm glad they did it. It also made it feel way more impactful to me when they had to flee their setup when uh, the Dick Squad showed up and leave all their tents behind. It's like, oh man, they just lost all that important equipment because they had to just pack up and run all of a sudden. So, well, I'm sure they have a plan. Like if they're, if they're, if they have the, uh, the unpacking of the, uh, you know, setting up of the camp down to with science, I mean, part of that setup process would be get everything out, but then take all the essential bits and leave them on the vehicles or put them back on the vehicles so that if we have to bug out right now, yeah, the stuff that we're leaving is uh, significant, but not critical. Totally. Totally. Right? But that's kind of my point. Like we, we know that now, you know, we, we've had that shown to us without, you know, it being sort of a hit over the head. So yeah, that's what I liked. That's what I liked about this, this convoy stuff. It's quick and easy, but it does a lot to just increase my understanding of things. Yeah. And they also know that, uh, what's his name? Logan, Morgan, Logan, 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 uh, is not a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy, right? If he shows up, it's because he wants to know where the oil fields are. Yeah. So he's not just going to show up shooting. So they're not like, ah, God damn it. Now we have to leave. Well, why exactly do you have to leave? He's just going to camp out there and wait for you to leave. So you could just leave at your own leisure. It's not like he's going to attack you. Yeah, he's his track record so far has been just to ask questions the whole time and come on, tell me where it is. Right. No. Come on. No. <laughs> exactly. Come on. <laughs> that's the basically the biggest criticism of of that character which we've been over, so that's it. The only thing about the whole uh convoy bit that I didn't like is basically they're standing around talking right there. And I think Sarah mentioned something about traveling by night and hiding by day. It's, yep. you know, if they stay in one location by day, you know, they're not making noise, they're not moving around. And if they travel by night, then cover of darkness, all that kind of stuff. And then immediately following that, Dwight walks up and Sarah says to him, uh, so we're heading back to Tank Town at 0800. And I'm like, oh, wait, 0800 is 8 a.m., right? It sure is. So, yeah, that was, so yeah. does that make any sense? They're traveling by night, but then they're heading to tank down at 8 o'clock in the morning? That seems like traveling by day to me. But it it kind of does, but that has to do with tank town, right? Like if they're going to go to, if they're going to go and refill uh, the tanker, maybe they have to do that during the day. So they're going to spend the day here and the night, even though they just said that they can't stay here for a night to give everybody uh, a chance to relax. So yeah, it was a, a little bit off putting. You're, you're absolutely right. I just found it weird. I'm like back to back. They seem to give conflicting information, but 
What are you going to do? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe she meant 20 hundred uh, PM. Maybe. I don't know. It's not what she said though. No, but let's assume that she doesn't know that uh, <laughs> 0800 means 8 AM. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess seems a little bit odd. Uh, let's, okay. Here's an email from Cindy in uh, Columbus, Ohio, or, or, you know, another part of Cindy's email. And she writes, June is looking for a place they can call home. What was wrong with the mall or Daniel's compound? I know we've seen before on the show that when the group settles in, something always happens to ruin it, but not recently. Uh, you know, i.e. Alexandria and, and the Hilltop have been okay for years now. Both Morgan and Dwight were at those places. Why don't they suggest to look for something like that? Um, and I, and I wanted to read that because it kind of ties into June being a little bit overtaxed and what she's trying to do to keep this convoy on the road. But there was a lot of talk in this episode about finding a safe place to move into. Basically, that's what Charlie was doing when she ran, ran off and she wanted to live at the synagogue. She thought it was a place for them. Um, but of course, for various reasons, it wasn't. However, Cindy makes a good point in saying, you know, there's that mall and there is Daniel's compound. Daniel's compound seemed like the most obvious choice. So what the hell? Why, why are they ignoring those places and staying on the road to find this place that may not exist? The problem with all of that is that they don't want a place to, find, to call home. They don't want that. They've never wanted that. That's not the point of the convoy. The point of the convoy is to go out and help people not to try and find a location to call home. They're not the rebel alliance that have to hang out on Hoth and then worry about the empire showing up and then have to bugger off to somewhere else. They're, they have a place to call home. It's the oil fields. That's the one place they know that uh, Logan can't find them. Well, they, until now, but uh, they, they're pretty sure that they can't find them at the oil fields. So why isn't that their home? Isn't that contradictory though? If, if their goal is to travel around and help people, yet here we are in this episode with so much talk of let's find a place to, to live and be safe. It absolutely is. And I think that's what I'm, I'm calling out is that, they, you know, up until now, they don't want that. They've said they don't want that. They don't want a place to call home. The whole point of the convoy is to go out and help people. I mean, may, maybe it works because... Charlie is the one who runs off. Charlie isn't seeing the greater plan right now. Uh, but as a kid, I mean, what's Charlie? She seems like she's about 13 or 14 years old. I really have no idea. Something like that. She seems maybe a little bit older than my kids. I, I only know how to judge ages up until, up until how old my son is. I can right. pretty much go from birth to three years old at this point. But anything older than that, I'm like... <sighs> Between adolescents right. until they're an adult. Well, I think Charlie's maybe 14, my oldest daughter's 12, and she seems a little bit older than that. All so, right, so you'd be a better judge than me. Yeah, so she's she's 14. She, you know, acts impulsively. She doesn't always see the forest for the trees, and that was clear in this episode to me. Um, and again, I think Alexa Nissenson did a great job with playing this character. Charlie is smart. But sometimes yep. she's a bit simple in her reading of situations, which was obvious in this episode to me, especially when she says to June she wants to stay at this uh, uh, synagogue. But June immediately lists off things like there's no water source nearby. These walls aren't very strong. You know, there are plenty of zombies around here. You're not thinking through all of these things. Yes. 
yeah, a lot of these walls are made of glass. Yeah. For one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not good. Uh, yeah. So I, I agree, but at the very least, this concept of them finding someplace to call home is muddled because previously to this episode, they didn't want that. And they expressly said that they absolutely do not want that. That's the whole point of the convoy. If they want some place to call home, just go to the oil fields, you know, defend it, build a fence, take sure. the fence from here. Yeah. Take the fence that you've been using every time you camp and put that fence up permanently somewhere. Sure. At least to start. And hell, the oil field, fields, which we need to talk about the very last scene of this episode, looked like they had a pretty solid barrier around them anyways, potentially, you know? Well, there was a berm of some kind, but then a really flimsy gate, fence gate, that obviously could just be, could just be rammed through with uh, any kind of vehicle which we'll see in the next episode. Well, so here we are at the end of this episode. Logan has discovered the location of the oil fields. But my first question is, do we know how? Is it just from watching Al's tapes? They, yes, because they nodded to the tapes. At least the camera, you know, focused on the the tapes. Yeah. For when they were talking about how they found them. So yes, somehow on those tapes was the information he was looking for and they found the oil fields. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I don't think that was portrayed really well on the show, but. I got it first time. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll go with you on that. But ultimately the reason he couldn't find it by looking at a map or whatever, which is what I suggested a few weeks ago, is because the oil fields were disguised as a quarry. Well, and that's what his, the, the woman in the passenger seat of his truck said, we're not looking for rocks. We're looking for oil, but that's, and that's why they couldn't find it. Cause yeah. it and wasn't why marked. wouldn't she know that, uh, what they found on the tapes? Did she not watch the tapes too? Did they not have a conversation? Was he hiding it from her for dramatic effect at the end? So he could say, ah, I, I know. And you don't. Yes. That's exactly what, what? he was doing. <laughs> So he's just, he, okay. So he's just being an asshole. He, he was, I guess. I'm not telling you where we're going. It's a surprise. Sure. Uh, and, and we're going here and it's like, oh, this is a quarry. This is not where we're going. It's like, oh, oh this is where we're going. Yeah. Well. Jerk. Why couldn't you just tell me before now? And that, none of that jives with what um, his other guys were doing, which was leading the convoy, leading our convoy away um, because, you know, they radio and he says they're as far away as possible now. And, uh-huh. and, and so you got to assume that those guys knew yep. were in on the plan. So it all she is, just was asleep. Was she just sleeping the whole time? She missed the meeting, I guess. I don't know. Or didn't Maybe get the memo. She had the same lunch as the zombies. Uh, instead of just being lazy, she actually just, you know, nodded off. I don't know. Seems, seems weird. Um. But the point of, of the other guys led by Corey Hart, that guy's, that guy's name, real name is Corey Hart, to, his point was to lead them away. Why? So that, so that Logan would have like maximum time to raid the oil fields before they could get back? Yeah, with his truck and one car. That's yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't generally watch the like, you know, next week on previews for this show. Uh, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be dealing with the, you know, the fact that Logan has found the oil fields now. Finally. Finally. But if, but if our group just shows up back there 
you know, right away and there's some sort of fight to defend it. And again, I haven't seen anything, so that may sound ridiculous at this point for the people that have watched that. But if, but if there is no consequences from them being led away, I'm going to be mad because it seems dumb then. Yeah. Well, it depends on the amount of surface area that we're talking about here, right? Are we talking about the, the fact that the convoy has been driving around, uh, around the surface area of a state or is it the surface area of a county? Right. Like, are they three counties away? Or, you know, if they cross the county line, do they have to stop? Much like the Dukes of Hazzard, uh, you know, Roscoe couldn't chase them when they crossed the county line. Was that true? Or he was in hot pursuit so he could keep going. I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, it, uh, so it depends on how far away they actually are. Are they three counties over? Or are they like, you know, four states away? Yeah, but what if Corey Hart and the rest of his dick crew next week are at the oil fields with Logan and our characters are still three counties away. Yeah. Well, you know, they have cars, right? So the amount of, uh, area that they can cover on a, on a daily basis is significantly larger than what they, uh, used, used to could do mm-hmm. much like in uh, game of Thrones where they, you know, you know, fast travel is a thing at the end of that show. Yeah. Sorry true. for the spoiler. Every, it took so friggin' long to get anywhere in season one, but by the end of the things, you're just like, wow, we need to go to the North. We need to go to the walls. Like, bing, you're there. Yeah. I know. Well, shouldn't that be like a season to get there? Yeah. Well, like, they just wanted like to a wrap season of television. Up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it, yes. I'm going to be pissed too, if they're not that far away. Now, all that being said, I don't think our, main characters realize that they were led away because Logan knows the location. So they might not turn around and immediately zip back there. They may not. Well, they they got radios. Radio's a thing thing too now, right? So they can just talk on the walkie-talkie because they don't have any range restrictions (laughs) as far as I know. But also, you know, uh, Logan seems to be able to listen to every conversation they have on the radios, which is why they had to be so careful. Mm. But they, you know, Sarah, Morgan, everybody else, don't seem to be able to listen to Logan's radio communication because they said on the radio, they're as far away as possible now, so you're free to do what you want. Okay, now I'm pissed. Sorry. Because I I thought this episode was rather meh. To begin with, which, you know, it's sort of leaned towards being okay because I like, uh, what's his name? Richard Jacobson? <laughs> Not Richard, man. Peter, Peter Jacobson. Peter, Peter Jacobson. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm pissed because it has all these inconsistencies built in. Put, put this episode, put the, the radio thing, the yeah. distance thing. And we know that the radio distance is able to cover it because we had, uh, we had Corey Hart talking to Logan, mm-hmm. right? Corey Hart is with their, with our convoy and Logan is at the, at the oil fields. So yep. we know the range is adequate Yeah, and the radio communication is not monitored by our intrepid team, which is a failure on their part. Yeah, well, radio uh, walkie-talkie range on this show is dictated purely by plot necessity. Yeah. I it, mean, I I've, I've have a couple of good two-way radios that I liked, and they have a distance. Like, I, Jenny was here at home, and I was at the Home Depot, and I could talk to her on the radio when I first tried them out, and that's probably a kilometer away, and it was just at the very edge of what, uh, what could be covered. If only you had some other communication device that could span... I was just testing it out. I know, I know. I was just (laughs) testing it out. It was mainly because uh, we got them because they're waterproof and we're kayaking and uh, I wanted to be able to communicate with her over a distance without having to yell really loud 
Makes sense. If we got separated by, you know, more than 10 feet. Sure. No, that makes really, makes a lot and of sense. By the end of our kayaking career, the last time we got into a kayak, basically we tied a rope uh, from her kayak to mine and I paddled and she just kind of enjoyed the ride. Oh, that doesn't sound fun for you. She was pregnant at the time. Oh, fair It enough. was fine. It okay. was fine. Okay. <laughs> but she was never very far away. Got it. Well, Trucker Tom on the road sent us this email. He says, Logan and crew are no more bad guys than the quote-unquote heroes are. Certainly less bad guys than Rick's crew from The Walking Dead. In every interaction Logan and crew have had with the main characters, they have refrained from the typical violent, evil actions you would expect from the villains. They use trickery and intimidation, but have yet to hurt anyone. Logan said that this refinery business was bigger than any of them. The last thing he said as he was about to bust the gates to the refinery was something like, get ready to go to the promised land. It is my firm belief that Logan and crew are going to use the refinery as a way into a safe place, almost certainly expecting to join up with the helicopter people. Right. So he's going to use this as a bargaining chip in order to join that group. Yeah. Or he's already working for them and he's been tasked with find this place. Now that being said, flying around in a helicopter is a pretty good way to search a wide area really quickly, but whatever, maybe they don't have the time. Maybe that's how they found the convoy. Cause they said, how did they find us? I don't know. Like, well, they got helicopters. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know. There's all kinds of questions like that, but I think, uh, the theory. And maybe if Corey is so deep, like we had zombies in a quarry before, right? Corey's, I don't think they disguised it as a quarry because then they would have to fucking dig out a quarry, which seems like a big job. Yeah, me. yeah. Maybe they just found it in a quarry. Maybe. So, yeah. Okay. So where, whatever, for whatever reason, there's an oil field in a quarry. So we have, you know, oil filled in a quarry that's not filled up with water. Anyway, we'll figure it out next week. But maybe the quarry is so deep that you can't see it from any, can't see any of the oil refinery stuff from any kind of angle other than right on top. So maybe that makes it hard to find from the air. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess so. Although from high enough in the air, your angle would be good, but whatever. I, I'm, I'm sort of okay with the fact that Logan's been driving around looking for it for this long because it was a quarry and it may have been, you know, marked in the, on the maps and in the phone book as quarry, not oil field. Right. Okay. So, that makes sense. It, it, come on, man. I'm, I realize I'm grasping at straws occasionally here, but I think it. Yeah. Works. I mean, it all depends on what the writers want. We look, it looks like a lot of what's going on here is at the convenience of what the plot is, needs to be mm-hmm. uh, and what the drama needs to be. So, uh, why would this be any different? Yeah. You couldn't find it because the plot said so. A hundred percent. And that's the only reason. What I was going to say a second ago when uh, you were talking about how, you know, you're kind of pissed off now about all these things is try to separate some stuff into buckets here and and think of the stuff with Rabbi Jacob Kessner in one bucket being pretty good and entertaining and fun to watch and a good new character and then put all this other stuff in another bucket and label it shit bucket. And you can, you can, at least, you know what's in each bucket and you can react accordingly. Yeah. I I prefer piles, but you know, the bucket analogy works. All right. Well, here's what I've been thinking over the last little while. I know we talked about this before uh, a couple episodes ago, or it might even been like 
last episode where we talked about, uh, you know, doing good things in order to balance out the fact that you've done bad things, to try to atone for it. Yes. And my position was, uh, good things don't necessarily, uh, balance out bad things. You've done good things and that's good. You've done bad things and that's bad. One does not cancel out the other. So maybe I can look at TV shows and movies the same way. Take my own medicine in that, you know, just because there were good aspects to this and a bad aspect, bad aspects to this that pissed me off. It's not a balancing scale that tips towards, uh, you know, crappy episode, good episode. Maybe it's a, you know, there's a, there's a pile of garbage over here and there's a pile of, uh, of good stuff over here. Uh, I really liked the good stuff. I really hated the garbage. Uh, which pile is bigger? Well, before the pile, the good stuff pile was slightly bigger than the garbage, but you're talking me into the garbage pile being slightly bigger. Well, I'm sorry about that. I think in this episode, I think the the good pile or bucket for me is much bigger. Um, but on the whole for fear, the walking dead season five, sadly, the garbage bucket for me is overflowing a little bit more than the good bucket. But yeah, my tolerance for, uh, in internal consistency problems, uh, is low. So I have very little tolerance for that kind of shit. And I didn't notice the internal consistency issues until you pointed them out. So they're, they're in my mind being given a lot of weight. Sure. Okay. So it's, uh, that pile grows quickly. Well, Hey, that's one of the reasons we do this, man, to, to enhance our understanding and enjoyment of the show by talking about it. Yeah. And here we are. True. So that pretty much covers it, I think, for this episode. The only other thing I wanted to mention is that I feel like they've basically written Wendell off this show, the poor guy. I, I realize he was on the runway when the plane was landing, but we haven't seen him since. And I, I don't even get the feeling he's around anymore, poor guy. Mm, he might show up again. Oh, but... I think he will eventually, but like, why not at least have him in the background or... Something. He's just, I don't know. Feels like he's gone. So, yeah, you have to give him a paycheck. I'm so cynical. Oh, true. <laughs> I know. If we don't put this guy in the episode, we don't have to pay him. <laughs> yeah. That's Actually, exactly I, right. I think regular cast members get paid no matter what, but. Well, I don't know. I mean, if I, if I hire a gardener and he's not in my backyard, I'm not paying him. Yeah. Right. Fair. I only pay him when he's in my backyard. I don't pay him just because, you know, I hired him at one point to do some stuff. I suppose, yeah. Well, but you know, then again, TV and movies don't work the right way the regular world works. No, right? No, that's true. I don't know. I just like, I I just want to see Wendell occasionally. That's all. Just remind us that he's still there. Uh, okay, that's all I've got for this episode. Um, would love to hear what all of you guys think. So send in comments and and feedback and stuff like that. Um. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll read them all and, and hopefully read some on the air. Uh, if you would like to support the talking dead and what we are doing here, we would very, very much appreciate it. There's two ways to do that. One of which is go to Patreon and become a patron. That's patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can make a small monthly pledge for way less than the cost of a Starbucks every day. Uh, it's a really easy way to, to help out with all the costs that are incurred by doing this podcast. If you prefer to make a one-time contribution, you can do that at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. 
and uh, that'll take you right to the page where you can can do that. So thank you so much to everyone who has. Uh, we really appreciate all the support. How much does a Starbucks cost? It's got to be over a couple hundred thousand. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, pay for the franchise and then the location, you're the remodeling. You're right. I mean, if you renovate the place, it it can add up really quick. So you know, if you're going to go out and and buy a Starbucks, you might as well give us that. You know, two hundred grand instead. <laughs> it's it's it's. You know, you 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 could just stick to ten grand a month, right? Just like you know, just kind of nickel and dime it instead of spending all that money all at once. You oh. just kind of go into Patreon, say ten grand a month. Yeah, let's go. That's perfect. I mean, uh, I don't see any reason not to do that, right? Like you'd spread out your cost of buying a Starbucks, so you could spread out yeah. the cost of supporting us and throw in ten grand a month for a few years, and everything will yeah. be perfect. Everything will be cancel at any time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, great idea, Jason. I'm glad Thanks. you came up with it. Uh, well, you, you mentioned that it's, you know, cheaper than it costs at Starbucks. I'm like, wonder how much that costs. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't know. I think it varies, but you've probably hit the nail right on the head, roughly. Lots. Lots and lots and lots. Lots. Next week on Fear the Walking Dead, we have, of course, another new episode. It is called Leave What You Don't. So, yeah. uh, if you'd like to do a title read, that's the title. Record that, send it in to us. And uh, we will, of course, be back next Thursday to record our thoughts on that episode. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send your email to talking at gmail.com. If voicemail is your kind of thing, go to the website and click on send voicemail at the top. That'll let you record right into your computer or just use the recording app on your phone that often gets the best quality and then you can email it to us. So that are all the ways you can reach out and we would love to hear from you. All right, everyone stay tuned after this for an after hours talking about the 10 year anniversary of this here podcast. Um, but if not, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please, sit down. Help yourself to a drink. And welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. Alrighty, welcome to the After Hours segment of the show. So, Jason, man, we're about to hit 10 years of doing this here podcast. I've heard that. 10 years. So, do you know what uh, day, or did I already say at the top, what day we released the first one? No, I didn't want to spoil it. No, I don't know what day. September 7th? No, so our first episode was released on September the 9th, 2009. Wow, September 9th. That's coming up. It is. And I, I realized just now that that is 9909. Wow. Cool, eh? I did not know that. Well, I didn't until right now. So that means that September the 9th, 2019 is our 10 year anniversary of recording this podcast. Now, we're not going to have an episode that day. No, uh, Monday, and I'm traveling. It's Monday, and you're traveling. So our next episode will come out on the. 
12th, 9, 10, 11, 12th, Thursday. Yep. Uh, Thursday the 12th. Correct, sir. Right. So not Friday the 13th, but Thursday the 12th. Thursday the 12th. Yeah. Next. Geez, it's a big week next week. It's our 10 year anniversary. There's a Friday the 13th. Yeah. I'll be in Lexington. You'll be in Lexington. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but that's why I wanted to mention it here because it's the last podcast before our actual anniversary. Cool. Um, and you know, just for fun, I put together a few stats here real quick. We've now done 447 episodes of this podcast, including this one. And I have no idea what the total time recorded is, of course, but I estimated about 80 minutes average Per, per episode. Some are 90, some are almost two hours. Uh, not many are less than an hour, to be honest with you. So I went conservative and went 80 minutes. So if you take 447, multiply by 80, that's 35,760 minutes of audio we've released to the internet, which turns into 596 hours wow. of actual audio. And that's just the released audio. You know, that doesn't account for the time spent editing and watching and preparing and all those other things we do. So yeah. Talking before the episode, talking after the episode. Yep. Uh, so what is it? So that's, uh, how many days is that? Uh, 596 hours. Actually, I don't know how many days that is, but you could probably do that calculation, but I did take the number of days in 10 years, which is of course, 3,650 divide that by 447 and that comes out to about eight. So we've put out roughly, on average, a podcast every eight days for 10 years. Obviously, there have been times when we've taken a few weeks off, but then there are times when we record twice a week. So on average, basically once a week for 10 years, which I think is pretty amazing. That is amazing. I didn't think it was that frequent. <laughs> well, it is, man. Just, just over eight is the, is the average. So huh. that's pretty amazing. Uh, did you calculate the number of days? And no, because I forget the number. I don't have it written down. What is it? Five hundred and ninety-six. Five ninety-six. Yeah. Uh, divided by twenty-four. Uh, yeah. Twenty-four point eight days. Twenty-four days worth of of audio, almost, only. Yeah, almost a straight month of uh, talking on the internet. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I spent a month of the last ten years talking on the internet. <laughs> I hope that's not, I hope that's not, uh, going to be a, uh, negative for you. <laughs> you know what I want? You know what I've, I've thought about this a little bit when I die yeah. and I go to heaven I, or the afterlife of some kind. Okay. I want access to my stats. How many steps I've taken? Oh how yeah. How long I've spent on the toilet? How, how many times <laughs> I've thrown up? <laughs> Those you would know? be great numbers to have, man. Uh, well, there's some that are scary too. Like how many inadvertent deaths have I caused? Like not knowingly, have I been the cause of somebody dying, having no idea? Right? Yeah. I don't want to know that stat. I don't want to know if it's greater than zero. I would like it to be zero, but Uh I don't know for sure. Right? Good point. I wouldn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's some good things and bad things, but I think that I would want a, you know, a stat window. Kilometers I've traveled or kilometers I've walked. You know, how far have I swam in my life? How far have I biked? You know, just, uh, I'd like some stats. Well, I can't really help you with any of those numbers, but the the ones I came up with here are what I can tell you about our podcast. And even those are not very scientific because 80 is a just an estimate. 
right. the, the uh, 80 minute length. How many relationships have I not been in uh, because I was too stupid to not be in them? Like <laughs> I liked her, she liked me. It just never worked out. They don't count that yeah. high, Jason. I'm sorry to tell well, you. No, I don't. I know they don't count, but I'd like to be able to see this information. No, I right? just. I would like to access my yeah. entire life statistics and uh, basic metadata. Sure. I think that's funny. What I was trying to do is make a joke and say numbers don't go that high. The number of relationships you weren't in because you were stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry. All of them. <laughs> Every person. Well, that, see, that number depends on them liking me as well. Right. So right. it, it's, it's a finite number. Uh, yes, yes, it is. I could probably count it on 12 hands. 12 hands. Um, I, am, I, I mentioned earlier in this podcast that it was funny that you brought up the Green Mile. Yeah. Because I went back and listened to our episode one from 10 oh, years yeah? ago. And we actually talked about that a little bit, the Green Mile really? on episode nice. number one. And it's related to Frank Darabont, of course, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Now I don't think I have that clip, but I am going to play this two minute oh, clip no. from our first ever episode oh, 10 no. years ago. Uh, enjoy everyone. Um, I think this is kind of hilarious. You know, I've been a big proponent of a zombie television show for quite some time. This is what I want. I want a zombie TV show. I think the concept has been proven in that uh, you have a small band of people working together to not become a member of the zombie apocalypse and uh, being, you know, definitely the underdogs in survival. Uh, very similar to Battlestar Galactica. I think Battlestar Galactica could easily translate into a zombie show. Uh, <laughs> Why not? It's essentially the same thing. Replace Cylons with zombies That's and there right. you go. Exactly. Ragtag band of survivors uh, trying to you know, get someplace back to Earth because that's there's no Cylons there. So essentially, uh, and zombie movies are uh, very popular. So I think that uh, all, all this combined together could make a, a fantastic television show. And I'm, I'm just... <clears throat> I'm astounded that uh, that AMC picked this up, and I I sure hope that they run with it because this this could be a great television show. It'll be interesting to see how closely they if they do the show how closely they follow the comic because they've got you know tons and tons of comics to run with. So um, I don't know if they'll cover all that in the first two episodes and then go on their own, or they're right. going to stretch this out into seasons worth of TV. I'm not sure. Right. I think they could easily do seasons worth though, and I hope oh, they do. Oh, for sure. And the the nice thing about the the zombie uh, genre. Uh, zombie apocalypse genre is that you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. Like you can, uh, you can have this, if you, if you're tired of them being in location a, have it overrun by zombies and they have to flee to location B. Like who cares? <laughs> it's uh it'd be fantastic. You could run into whoever you want. If you have people getting, uh, if you're tired of uh, the cast that you have, or if they're starting to ask for too much money, kill them off, get some new people in there, turn them into zombies, turn them into zombies. So that's that's the clip from our our first ever episode, and I think that is hilarious, to be honest. But also I was cynical, even then. Yeah, but, if but the cast is asking for too much money. Just kill them. Yeah, that's funny, actually, too. We, <laughs> it's it's amazing how things have have come full circle on on that. But um, some things I noticed in there is like you've been talking about Battlestar Galactica since the beginning. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't say Boomer was a Cylon, though. You did not. Well, although <laughs> I kind of wished you had when I was listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, if he dropped that spoiler <laughs> since day one, that'd be, that'd be epic. Um, I liked how 
you at one point said zombie movies are very popular it just seems so funny to listen to right now yeah um and then and then just the way we talk about you know they could easily do seasons worth of this show if they do the show and and look yeah. at us now going into season 10 and season 5 of a spin-off and everything else that's happened so well cuz that first episode we did they just picked up the rights they hadn't even greenlit the show yet i know yeah that's right they hadn't yet and we just decided to start and see where it went right yeah <laughs> strange Crazy though, crazy stuff. Um, we also talk in that episode a little bit about Frank Darabont and and uh, a little bit more about the source material of the comics. And listen to me going, you know, maybe they'll blow through all the comics in the first two episodes and then go <laughs> off on their own. <laughs> I think it was funny that you said there's there's a lot of comics, like there's a lot of comics that of information that you could uh, of uh, story that you could use. It's like, well, what? comic number were they on at the time 10 years ago well yeah 40 yeah i don't know i think well i think the first four hardcover books were out at the time i think and now hold on i how many do i have on my shelf hold on so i was right that's four times 12 yeah i've got 15 on my shelf right now and i think 16 is coming out soon and that'll be the last Uh, one i'm so behind i've only got five i think oh dude I, I, that's a lot of money I'd have to spend on those now. And being a completionist, you might have to spend it. <sighs> yeah, I, even the trade paperbacks. I, there's no way I could do the, uh, you know, the actual issues of the comic, but the trade paperbacks and the, uh, the annual books, I could probably get caught up on if I had to. Sure. Well, I, I've kept up to date with the hardcovers, but not the paperbacks or anything like that. But anyways, here we are, end of the comic, show still going, and uh, at some point... You know, I I guess the show is going to catch up to where the comics ended, more or less. In a way, yeah. we're actually not even that far, really, on the show. But 10 years ago, boy, could we have known what we were getting into? <laughs> well, here's to another 10 years. Yeah, totally. Um, a couple more things I wrote down here just in the last 10 years. You know, when we started, my youngest kid was four months old. She's 10 now. How the hell did you do a start a podcast with a four month old. Like, how did you get away with that? I, I have a very supportive wife and, uh, I don't know. I worked around. You did do it in your home. You know, that helped. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's true. Yeah, exactly. In that time you've bought a house, uh-huh. uh, you know, you used to live down the street from me. You've moved much farther away. You bought a house. You had a son, uh, in 10 years, you've collected an immense amount of Lego. <laughs> I'm not even sure you'd started your Lego collection 10 years ago, had you? Um, Might have been I'd close. I'd have to look it up. I th- well, we always was living in that apartment when Jenny f- bought me. I had some Lego sure. from the 90s uh, or the early 2000s or something. But uh, Jenny bought me a Lego X-Wing fighter for my birthday when I was living in that apartment before we got married. So I think I probably had started because we had a, you know, our 10th anniversary last April and I had that Millennium Falcon before we got married. Not Millennium Falcon, uh, X-Wing fighter. X-Wing, So yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, it, the ball started slowly at that point, but it was rolling okay. down the hill. It was rolling. You've only been married for about a half a year longer than the show. Was your 10th anniversary yeah. this April? Yeah. Okay. April, it was 10 years. So, uh. Yeah. So look at that. I mean, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, 
you know, I was thinking about it. I've changed my day job twice in 10 years, which to be fair is not a lot compared to some people, but the job I was working at at the time feels like ancient history now, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I've, my job has changed since then, but I still work for essentially the same company or the company that got bought by the company that got bought by the company. Right. Kind of thing. But I haven't had to find a new job. No, your job has evolved a little bit. I've, I've switched jobs and then that one kind of evolved into something else. So, you know, that it just, it's just a lot of changes. I've been to two New York city comic cons and both times was at the big walking dead panel at them. You were at one with me. Yep. I was. Even that feels like a long time ago, but I think it was like season three three of, of walking dead, you know, it was, it was a long time ago. I was thinking about that the other day. That was, uh, that was a long time ago. We, we, we traveled down to New York city for that split a hotel room in the New Yorker hotel. Remember? Yep. I do. Good times. Vividly. Uh, you know, I've been to six or more Walker stalker cons in 10 years. Uh, I've, you know, I've met a good chunk of the cast or at least from, you know, the cast from a couple of years ago. You've met some of them. You and I met Andrew Lincoln together at we Walker did. Stalker number one. I've, I've hosted panels with some of the biggest actors on the show. Like it just, it's, it's incredible to think all of the things that have happened in 10 years outside of just releasing 447 episodes of this thing. Yep. That's pretty nuts. You know, met tons of people, you know, other podcasters, listeners, many of whom I consider friends now. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, all the people I've, I've met because of this show. And, you know, even if it was just a one-time thing, hung out with, had a beer with, whatever, um, every time it's been a great experience and, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So that kind of all leads me to just wanting to throw out a massive thank you to everyone. You know, if you've, you know, everybody who's ever listened to this show or called us or emailed us or put a review anywhere. Just, just a massive thank you. I mean, it's been 10 years. We might've done it anyways, but we couldn't have done all of this in the way that we have without everybody. So. Oh, we'd have given up a long time ago without the fantastic listeners that we have. Uh, we would have just ended up being two guys talking on the internet and got yeah, we would have given up a long time ago if it weren't for the awesome listeners and the feedback and, uh, you know, meeting and talking and reading all everything that they send in. Yeah, I mean, Wonderful. I think we've said before that we'd kind of do this, like we started this thing because we did this kind of thing anyways. We just didn't do it in front of microphones. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe we would have gone back to doing that. But, of course, you guys all are out there and it's... It's really awesome. So once again, just a massive thank you to everyone for 10 years, whether you're a new listener or an old or, or whatever, not an old, an old <laughs> listener. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's been awesome and it's, it's amazing to hear from everyone. And, and I'm glad that so many of you enjoy what we do here. So like you said earlier, here's to another 10 years and the way the walking dead is going. I feel like that's not so crazy to say. <laughs> yeah, even if, you know, we like canceled the big show, we still got movies and spin-offs and I think this uh this property, this franchise will go on for quite some time. It certainly feels like it will. So, uh we will be here covering it in some way, I think, and uh yeah, that could be until the day we die at this rate. <laughs> yep. 
All right. Well, on that morbid note, thanks everyone for tuning in. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Think about that every now and again. What? Well, if you die, I don't even know how I'm going to tell everybody. Well, that the podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're going to have to figure out a way. Yeah. You're, you're, so, you're and if I something. die, well, you'll just tell them and that'll be the end of that. Then yeah. you get somebody else and move on. Well, it would be like getting remarried after your spouse dies. I don't know. That's some, that works for some people, not others. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways. Uh, yeah. If you need, if that, if it ever comes to that, you're going to have to find a way. Well, I'd post it on Facebook. <laughs> right? Go to the Facebook page and post it. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Chris did. <laughs> Great. <laughs> anyway.